Welcome to another episode of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Liz. Hello. Hill. Okay. And Sabine. Hi. So episode eight, um, screenplay was done by Anthony Reed, and it was directed by Lawrence Wilson. And the episode synopsis will be read out today by Sabine. Upon learning that he is the father of Trudy's baby, Zoot is strongly encouraged by Bray to give up his leadership of the Locos. But before he can make his decision, the rest of the tribe is alerted to the secret meeting, and a struggle puts an end to the conversation sooner than expected. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. Um, we kick off with the cliffhanger from episode 7, which is Bray and Zoot's secret meeting in the sewers. Um, obviously, in this scene, it confirms that Zoot is the mysterious person who wants to meet Trudy. Um, but before we jump into obviously all of that, let's kind of think about the actual timeline for a moment here. Because, um, okay, let's go way back. <laughs> How far? Was it ever confirmed that Trudy and Bray were in the Locos once, or was this all a uh, kind of fan kind of theory? It was. It was never confirmed. It was. It was? Was it confirmed in a book, Sabine? No, yeah, where was this, this confirmed? Was, it's confirmed in this specific episode that she no. was with the Locos and she ran away because she was scared. It doesn't confirm she was with it them, just that she, she ran away from Zeus. From that, yeah. I never thought she was a Loco. She simply ran. It's very semantics. We could argue all day about it. <laughs> she, they were never actually in the Locos. She ran away from Zoot because the baby, or like, because Zoot's crazy. Oh, here goes my theory. I'm gonna pull up the script of what exactly they said. I have the script. I have the script too. <laughs> let's do Where it. We at? Come on, let's do this. Give me a link. You want a link? Yeah. Send you a link. Hold on. I just I see I just wrote it down. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm gonna have to quote this. What are we fighting about again? Oh yeah. why they're if about they're... Bray's line of she ran away from you and the locos because she was scared. Yes. But it doesn't say that they were like tribe. It's like running away from the Marats. They're not actually members yet. Yeah, I agree with Hill. That doesn't confirm anything other than she ran away. She ran away. Hey, we want you to join. Nope, bad idea. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, that literally could be running away. Or I mean, they could have been in the tribe for f who knows. Lex and Ryan and Zondra all ran away from the logos too. <laughs> yeah, true that. For, for my... Yeah, what I think, but that might just be me, <laughs> is, um, yeah, because the fact that Zoot had no clue she was pregnant, it always made me think that Trudy started out as with the Locos, thinking it was the safest and smartest option for her in her pregnancy, or maybe Bray convinced her of that, in his hopes of luring her brother back to light. But due to Martin's at her pregnancy, I always assumed that Ebony was actually the one that found out and threatened her. And just, she wanted to place herself in the position of Queen of the Locos. She would never want a pregnant girl carrying Zoot's child anywhere near that. And while well, her biggest threat to the throne was Trudy, I actually think that Ebony was the one that Trudy was so scared of. Why she ran? 
I mean, let's let's discuss that. Yeah, because um, like whether you believe that Trudy was originally in the locus or not, um, Zoo obviously hasn't seen her for months because he doesn't know that she's pregnant. Um, so like, where yeah, where do you think she's been all this time? Um, with Bray being dragged along the countryside looking for some place to go. Well, she was in her old house for quite a while. True that, but also being dragged by Bray. I had to say it. I'm sorry. And um, yeah. Ray says that he, he finds her, um, so presumably she was on her own for a bit. Yeah, but yeah. she was on a run from someone. So well, afraid of the Locos, but she has nothing to fear from Zood. The only one she has to fear is Ebony. I think she feared Zoot based on, like, it's not the kid she knew. Like, I think we need to kind of take a step back and know that, like, Zoot is very different from Martin, and I think she knew Martin, and when she hooked up with the Locos in whatever capacity, she thought she was going to be dealing with Martin, and then Zoot comes out, and, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to deal with Zoot. Like, I was totally for you, I was totally with this, but Zoot and the Chosen are not my cup of tea, peace, and that's where it comes into play. I'm going to have to go hill on this one because it's the only thing we actually have the evidence to support. We don't have evidence to support a bunch of the other theories. Um, we love your theories, but... but <laughs> they are theories. This, though, this is what we have. What we have is that she was afraid of him. And why wouldn't she be? He's a completely different person than who he used to be. You know, and that's what our pre-tribe shows us the, the, in season two. It's him she's afraid of. She wasn't afraid before. She didn't like him that way, but she wasn't afraid of him. But the minute she sees him freaking out in a classroom, she was just like, yeah, I don't want a piece of that. No, thanks. Yeah. You know, and, and she bounced as fast as possible. Yeah. I also think the semantics of Bray saying he found her. Because you notice it's not the only time they say Bray found her. But if you see from the flashback, she just ran directly to him and said, look, I'm scared. Your brother's crazy. I got a baby, you know, and he was just like, oh, great. Awesome. You know, <laughs> my parents are there. This is awesome. My um, parents are there. <laughs> and I think they say that because you'll notice both of these conversations, they are trying to protect each other. Yeah. Right. is very careful with his words when he's talking to his brother to make Trudy seem very blameless. That she didn't leave you. She was scared. She ran away because she was scared. And then he's very careful to say, I only found her. She didn't come to me. No way, little brother, who's really super jealous, yeah. and psychotic. She, I just found her. You know, I just happened to find her. And Trudy repeats the same thing when she's trying to protect Ray. Henry knows <laughs> that if he said, I whisked her away, like, that would have been bad news bears. If he said, she ran to me because you're a crazy yeah. person, you know, it would just, it would only escalate things. And Trudy can't say that she ran to Bray. She's protecting him from the others, knowing if his connection to Zoot. So what does she say? You know, I ran away from the locals. Bray just found me. You know what I mean? They're just trying to protect each other. Yeah, and honestly, that's probably why we never hear if they're actually members of the local. Because that would have been damning to their character to be why they should be in the mall rats like exactly. oh yeah you should take us in but we're former locos like <laughs> nothing to worry about there Bray immediately says I, I have nothing to do with them I am no friend of the locos you know yeah to make that clear <laughs> but there's always one thing that intrigued me because the episode before this Trudy mentions to Bray you might not have saved my life but you did save me I'll always be grateful for that well yeah of course he did he took care of her yeah. he took care of her and dragged her 
from the countrysides <laughs> through fields of door. I just okay, back to the conversation between Brian and Zoot. Sorry, we totally went off. I will say when I look at this, I get so bad at these boys. I get so angry at them and I feel so awful for Trudy because they're talking about her like she's luggage. Like she's not a person. You know, even Zoot isn't talking about the woman he's supposed to be in love with like she's a human being. You know, he refers to her as something that could be stolen away, like property. And it doesn't seem to really care how she feels about any of it. And you can see the look on Trudy's face the entire time. You know, Bray literally says, it's your job to take care of her. She's your responsibility. And you can see Trudy's face. Like, wow, I, I don't matter to anybody. I'm just a thing. I mean, once again, we do have precedence of Bray thinking that she is just a piece of luggage. And I'm just going to keep on with that. <laughs> but Zoot even says, you took her, you keep her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh she's very God. much not a person to these people. These two entitled, selfish brats. Like, oh, I just want to choke them both. You can totally it, tell they're related. It, it's interesting, though, because first he says, you took her, you keep her. And later on, he goes, that's my kid you've got there. You're my woman, Trudy. Because, ugh. Doesn't she actually, state, or Trudy, stick up for herself and be like, yo, I am right here. Or am I imagining yeah. that? I might be imagining that. Well, she does in the earlier season, uh, early episode, she does when they're, all, again, they're all talking about her. Like, There's she's not a person. Yeah, and so she's like, I am here. I have a name. I'm right here. Oh, yeah. So, where's Trudy? I'm just, yeah, sticking with that um, kind of conversation between Zoot and Bray, like, why do you think it is that Zoot is so motivated to get Trudy back at this point? Obviously not knowing she's pregnant. Is it specifically because he knows that Bray has her? What do you think? Or I don't think it's just as much as Bray having, but the moment he sees that baby, you see a tiny part of him like change back into the boy he used to be with a, oh, this is mine. And he wants to keep what is his away from his brother at all costs. Yeah, I think it starts to become a sibling rivalry thing. It's not a... I don't think it's necessarily anything more, more than... You have her. I want to prove that I can have her. So I'm the better brother because I have her now and you lost her. Yeah, but he, he actually says that he can protect her better. He and his locos can protect her, her and the baby better than Bray ever could. Let's just um, step back a bit because um, let's take the baby out of the equation for a minute because um, obviously he didn't know she was pregnant yet or he had the baby. So yeah, what, like, what do you think was his motivations behind kind of wanting Trudy. I do think on some level that Zoot, Martin, did like Trudy. The way any young boy can like a girl. You know, I do think that was, his affections for her were genuine. Oh yes, they're immature and, you know, self-centered because he's what, 14, 15 years old? But they are genuine. He does actually really like Trudy. That's the girl he wants to be with. And he pitches a fit because he can't have her. He throws a tantrum because he can't have her. But he never really got over her, you know? And if the very first thought that she might want to see him, he's willing to talk to his brother if it means he can see her and talk to her. And there's this one thing he says to her, you're my woman, True. Now let's go. That little nickname, True. It, 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 it's, he's the only one who gets, calls her by a nickname, which does speak to some affection and a past. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, I really did love her. 
He, I don't he think he loved her. her. I think he loved her as I much just, as a, a brat can, but no, that's not love. That's not how you treat someone you love. You know, it's an immature affection of a child. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. He did not love yeah, her. But but at, for a kid his age, he loved her as much as a kid that age can. I don't know. I know 15-year-old boys who love better. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> you failed with this one. You liked her. I know you did, but you could have totally loved her way better than you did. <laughs> yeah, but on the other You're hand, not getting a sticker from me. <laughs> <laughs> the moment he got her to go out with him, she slept with him, and then their world collapsed their dad died. That's unfortunate. Like, your first step into adulthood and having sex with one like the world ends and now suddenly the life is like completely turned upside down that's really unfortunate and i had to say that. i mean i i do feel bad for him in that he finally got the girl to the point where his brother gave up his own chance with truth um because he knew martin liked her and then yeah he gets her and everyone dies i just think that's funny like i could see this being turned around like like, oh yeah, your premarital sex, that's why the world ended. Like, this show could have taken a very different turn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying it, man. Pity sex destroyed the world. <laughs> Back to the original, how did she get, get away or why did she run away? I'll, I'm sticking with uh, she ran from Ebony. But she ran before Ebony and Zoot even got together. Before no. Zoot, before she? Ebony. Yeah, the, if you go back to the, um, you look at the flashbacks in season two, the, he fleek, freaks out in the classroom. He and Ebony are not a couple. Yeah. She hasn't even talked to him yet. And almost even after that, she runs to, you know, Bray and tells him. And Ebony, Ebony sees them together. And it's only after that that she seeks out Zoo. So I don't. She was running away from him because he was acting like a lunatic. And she yeah. just discovered she was pregnant. No, I. I'm going to go with Liz on that one. Sorry, Sabine. Nope, nope, nope. Because <laughs> she told Brace she was pregnant when she was still wearing her school uniform. Yes, right after she saw his brother lose it in the classroom. I, I just strongly feel that. I'm just saying what's there. I'm not, I'm not reading into it. I'm saying this yeah. is what is there. This is what we're shown. This is what we're told. The logos did not exist yet. Zoot had just lost his mind. And he was, he, you just see they the start some of the people's faces. Trudy's like, okay, this ain't cool. <laughs> First thing she did was go to his house and be like, do you hear sound crazy? Crazy face. Um, I got some baggage. Do you mind carrying it? Because I can't get it to your brother. Because you had to treat me like baggage and like. And then Ebony comes seconds. across. Because Ebony went to tell him too, because she thought it was awesome. And she, she tells, she, that's her side of the story. After she saw Zoot lose his mind, she was like, oh, this kid must be onto something. She went straight to his house to see his brother and say, yo, sweetheart, you know what? Your brother is actually a lot cooler than I thought he was and all that. And then she sees him hugging Trudy and she's like, oh my God. And, you know, so, yeah. I mean, we could, we could talk about this forever because um, like we <laughs> mentioned in episode one, uh, the flashbacks did kind of change like the initial timeline that was presented of the show. and. It's kind of changed a lot of things, so I don't. Yeah, I don't think we're ever gonna. <laughs> yeah, we're, nobody's ever going to be happy with the pre-trabs and all of that. You want or you stay with me? I can't do that. Yes, you can. Forget about all that warrior stuff. Get lost, man. Power and chaos. It's the only way. No, those who live by the sword should die by the sword. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? It's an old saying. 
trust you to know that. Man, you're so old. I'm surprised the virus didn't get you. Stop it, please! Um, yeah, sticking with the brothers, uh, let's talk a little bit about their, their, their rivalry, the sibling rivalry. We, we've spoken a little bit about it, but let's, like, we get a lot of big hints and mentions in this episode, um, the kind of banter and the relationship between the two. But what are your thoughts specifically on, like, their different perspectives on survival? I think one of the things it did is what it showed that even though two brothers who are raised the same way don't have to see eye to eye on everything, they, it doesn't mean that they think the same just because they were raised a certain way. And it shows how much the virus and everything that happened impacted them both in different ways. I'd buy that. I like how their dynamic switches. You can often, you get peaks uh, at how... Martin really is the little brother. There are these moments where he says something or the look on his face reminds you that he is younger than Bray and that does affect their dynamic. And then he'll, he'll puff out his chest and flex his muscles to reestablish his own, you know, uh, dominance. And how Bray doesn't really, doesn't really feed into it too much because he's not the younger brother. He doesn't have that inferiority complex with Martin. And it, it's like... It, it, it changes, it makes their conversation switch back and forth. Like one moment, you know, you have Zoot saying, like, if you screw me over, you're in trouble, you know, because he's got a power base behind him. But the next minute he's sitting there like, you swear you're not going to hurt me? And he looks so vulnerable and you remember that he's the kid. And yet Bray stays steady through the whole thing because he's obviously used to being the older sibling and having to deal with this all the time. He's the one who stays even keeled through this entire conversation. But Zoot is the one who's swinging from left to right, trying to keep his equilibrium from feeling like the little brother, but then constantly reminding himself, I'm not the little brother. I I've got an army at my back, and I'm cool now, and I'm not powerless. And it's just very fascinating to watch that, him basically wrestling with himself. Yeah, I always feel a little sorry for Martin, like because I get the, the feeling that Bray was the golden child and like the favorite child. Absolutely. And that definitely influenced Martin, like, to create Zoot, is because now he he's trying to get some of that power back that Ray never, or that he never had because of Ray. We'll never actually know, because we'll never actually hear, like, the closest we ever hear Martin express what it was like growing up with Bray is he says you always got everything you got the best of everything but then when you hear Bray talk about their childhood Bray says the exact opposite Martin was the baby he had all the attention of his parents they were always together and Bray was the one who you know did his own thing and it's so interesting that we never get more from Zoot because he dies so we'll never really know who he was and how much of his point of view was valid because we only get his story from other people what I mean I think like grown up like, I have a brother, and, you know, I would say that he's the favorite child just based on my mm -hmm. experiences, but he might even say that he's not the favorite child based on his experience. Like, that's a very much a sibling thing that does happen. Yeah. And, like, it is unfortunate that we never get to see a backup of it, and we only have what other people say, but that is the reality of life. Also, it's cool because Bray, when he talks about his brother being the favorite, he doesn't resent it. He says it fondly. With affection like it didn't bother him that his brother was mm. the favorite but when you know martin refers to bray being the favorite he is resentful and angry and you know just basically almost in emotional hysterics over it it is something that really upsets him i get it i'm yeah <laughs> as the youngest child of with a brother that do anything 
it's I I get the resentment. Yeah, and see, I'm the oldest, but like I think my brother, who's the baby, got everything. Ah, yeah. For me, if, if I think about the way Bray grew up, being like captain of the basketball team, good at sports and everything, um, he he really was that golden child that did everything right. And Martin was nothing like that. So he he always had to live in his brother's shadow. Maybe. Yeah. At least that's what it's, it's certainly how it felt from his point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like maybe Bray, when he's, you know, not holding resentment, I think that's also Bray's way of kind of like not, you know, we, we know Zoot as a sort of bad guy. Like he's the villain of our story. But maybe if Bray can shed some light, oh, like he was a great brother. He was always really kind and he didn't kill kittens in the backyard. Like he's trying to save face for his brother who's no longer there to tell his story. It, it, it is always very important to him that people know he wasn't always yeah. like this. This isn't who I grew up with. Exactly. So maybe at the time, Bray did feel sort of the resentment, but now he's trying to almost save his legacy because that's all. He doesn't want that for him. Yeah, that's not what he wants people to remember. He doesn't want yeah. people to remember Zoot. He, he wants, wants Martin. people to remember Martin. Yeah. So, I mean, if he was like, yo, Martin used to kill cats in the backyard. Like, oh. Duh, that's why he's Zoot. I get it now. So sorry you had to deal with it. But he's trying to flip the mar- narrative so that he's not the bad guy. I don't know if that's what actually happened, but it's an interesting thought. It seems I do believe Bray when he says that his brother was a nice kid. You know what I mean? Um, I do believe that's what he saw. He saw, I mean, I don't, it's possible he didn't know his brother was a psychopath. I'm just saying that for him, I believe him when he says that he remembers his brother as a gentle, kind boy. Mm. He didn't see him killing the kittens in the backyard. He didn't know that happened. <laughs> <laughs> he looked away. He had no idea. He really thought, no, Martin's a good kid, you know? And he, re- he was saddened by the fact that his brother didn't like him, you know? Like, when he meets Trudy, and she, he's like, oh, my brother told me all about you. And she, you know, she's like, yeah, your brother told me all about you. And he says, all bad, right? And he seems very sad that he knows his brother doesn't like him, even though he feels very good about his brother. And then when he has to choose between a girl that he does have the thing for and his brother, he chooses his brother without thought. What a pretty picture. Real cute. The great Zoot. The great loco leader. Back off, Lex. Uh, let's, let's take a minute to actually talk about the, the secret meaning itself, because, okay, this is something that really, really drives me crazy. The secret um, meaning that's not a secret, do you mean? Secret meaning in the mall. Like, okay, why do you think that Bray thought this was a brilliant idea? Like, come on, let's talk about it. <laughs> it's Bray, and Bray's plans always go according to plan, Lance. He's the golden child. He, uh, I, I, can't, I don't know where to begin on this because like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he brings the leader yeah. of the Locos. Let's like <laughs> because Lance, his track record is so great with anything that he's never told anything, and it always goes according to plan. Like, of course, it's a brilliant idea. Why would it not be? Even in his wildest dreams, I can't. Why would he think that <laughs> this was a good idea? Okay, you know what, Trudy? Yeah, we're gonna meet. Zoo in the mall, like no, I, I, I honestly think that Bray just had this lovely illusion 
if Zoot would set eyes on that little baby and his daughter, that he would just flip back to Martin and realize what he had to live for instead of I mean, chaos. Or maybe because, like, we never really see where the Locos are hanging out at this point. I can't talk to anything about in the, the future because I can't remember. <laughs> but, like, we, we don't, we see the outside. We never see the inside. Maybe Bray thinks that where he's living is such a shithole that he'll see the mall and the glamour and the, the, Twinkie lights. They'll be like, baby, comfort, beds. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is the perfect spot. <laughs> Give up my life of power and chaos for the mall rats. It's possible this is Trudy's fault. Remember, she said she'd meet him, but only in the mall. Uh, she said, I'm not stepping outside of this mall. So Bray's like, great, I gotta make this work. <laughs> he, he has to make this work. But, but he doesn't also argue against that and say, oh, hey, no, no, this no, could no, be no, bad. It's, it's a terrible it. idea all the way around. I completely understand your aneurysm, Lance. I do. It's, it's a bad yeah. idea. It's terrible. It's, it's a bad idea. plan ever. I don't know why like, this is going to go well. Yeah, yeah so, like if someone suggests a bad idea and a bad plan, someone should speak up, but nobody ever speaks up. It's as <laughs> all, all kind of to blame for it because Trudy's the one who says it has to happen in the mall. Bray does not argue with her. Instead, he decides to try and make it work. <laughs> and then Zoot agrees. And then he tells Zoot to wait in the sewers. And guess who doesn't wait in the sewers? It's <laughs> like, nope, I'm going to see me. So yeah. it's like all three of them are to blame for this. Even when they hear the dog barking, they don't like say, hey, let's go back downstairs where no one can see us. We'll just stay here and continue our argument. But there, there is this tiny moment. It happens in a later episode. But Bray mentioning to Trudy, you better hope Ebony never finds out, indicated to me that he didn't want Trudy and the baby to go anywhere near Ebony to convince Martin to stay with him, you know? That this still doesn't mean they had to meet in the mall. They could have yeah. met right outside the sewer entrance. Anywhere else. They could have <laughs> like, anywhere else. It's the middle of the night. Like, they could have met in we do the this park. Or, like, not in the middle of the night. I think that's because no one would know they were missing. True. They, everyone's asleep. But it goes back to the whole, like, if Bray would have been forthcoming, like, we could have saved a lot of issues. Like, hey, guess what? We're going to go do something. We're going to go see the baby's real father. Like, you don't have to say who it is. Maybe people will get curious, but at the moment... But you know how many episodes it takes Bray to learn that maybe he should tell people what he's doing. Yeah. Bray's an <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but also with how much trouble he had to get Trudy to be allowed to stay. But and that's the thing, like, why don't they start to come forward with things? Because they've already had to fight tooth and nail. Like, they're not winning any brownie yeah, points. But, but what are her chances? I mean, the girls, especially Celine and Amber at that don't want to lose Bray. So they want Trudy to stay. Because if Trudy stays, Bray won't leave. But, oh, guess what? The baby isn't his. Oh, well, then we can still chuck her out, right? Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's why he wasn't forthcoming with that information at that point. I think it's just a matter anyway. of these people don't have any reason to trust each other. That's all it is. Yeah. It would be easier if Bray could come out and say, look, this is the deal. But I don't blame him for not trusting anybody. And telling him exactly what's going on. You don't know who you can trust and what you can tell them and what might be used against you. And, you know, 
So it it makes sense that he's not going to tell anybody that Trudy has a fa- the child has another father and they're going to go see it. And you know, no matter what he would say, you know for a fact, Lex would be like, oh, you, oh, oh, you're going to go see the Locos or something? No matter what. That's exactly what I'm <laughs> Yeah. And once again, he would actually be true. You know, so it just, it doesn't matter. I, I totally get why they don't tell anybody. I wouldn't. I'm not going to tell these people all my secrets. You know, granted, I wish it could have handled, been handled better, but everybody made a mistake here. Everybody made a mistake. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> Every time I see him go up the stairs, I'm like, oh, there we go, signing his death warrant. <laughs> yeah. Just stay in the sewers. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's basically just a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, let's, let's, let's stick with that for a moment. Um, do, do you think that Bray should take the full blame for his brother's death. Mm. No, I don't. No. Mm. 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 No comment. If Lex hadn't been such a giant asshole with, and not listening to Bray when he said, no, he's not here to hurt anyone, and if Lex hadn't messed I mean, with wait. Bray... <laughs> uh, you, you've just brought the leader of the Locos, the most fierce yeah, like, um into the mall. I mean, yeah, something yeah. bad was going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. There was no way to stop that. Yeah, that. Yeah, was, that. Something was going to happen there. I, 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 I don't blame Bray. I. It's one of those things that we can look at with hindsight and see every detail that went wrong. You know what I mean? But I can, I can see it from his point of view at the time. And hoping, you know, like I said, he's like, we'll do this at night. We'll meet in the mall, but we'll meet in the sewer so nobody sees you. And, you know, thinking they're just going to have a quiet meeting. And, of course, he didn't think that Lex would wake up. Why would Lex wake up? Lex only wakes up exactly. because Paul wakes up. Because Paul, yes. you know, senses of... And, of course, Bray couldn't have foreseen that. You know what I mean? He couldn't foresee that Paul was going to wake up and then wake Patsy up and be convinced there was someone in the mall who shouldn't be there and go wake up Lex and that Lex would actually listen to him and then Bob would bark. He didn't... You can't foresee but those that, I mean, things. that speaks to, like, why, I guess, it could be partially Bray's fault. Like, if you were forthcoming and said, hey, like, this is what's going to happen. We're going to have someone come through the sewers. Like, you don't need to be concerned about it. Yeah, because that would have been everywhere. Yeah. It, it shouldn't have I mean, been in the mall. <laughs> true, it shouldn't have been in the mall. But, like, it's kind of, again, it's everyone's fault. Like, it... Trudy refuses to leave the mall. Well, Trudy should have left the mall. Like, well, then, then that's not Bray's fault. It's then you have to blame Trudy for that. It's a whole unfortunate thing. Like <laughs> that's why I you said know, it's a series of unfortunate events yeah. that cascaded. It's nobody's fault. I mean, you could say it's Zoot's fault for not staying in the cellar and for being such a terrible fighter. And <laughs> you could, you, you know what I mean. You could say it's his fault. You could say it's like, Bob's fault. You could say it's Paul's fault. You know what I mean? Like, no. okay, so if you. You go to the mall, well, once again, we shouldn't have had this in the mall, but, like, nobody thought that maybe if we do this in the middle of the night in the mall, someone's going to wake up. If someone, if I think someone's in my house in the middle of the night, I'm going to call the cops. Like, you should not be in my house in the middle of the night, <laughs> no matter what you're doing. So when do you think would have been a better time where they wouldn't have been caught by anybody? If they're I mean, going to have it in the mall, like, let's say you can't do it outside the mall. You have to do it in the mall. When do you think they should have done it? If the nighttime is the bad time, when do you think they should have done it? They should have been forthcoming about something happening in the mall. That's that's off the table. That's off the table. This is about what time is the best time to do it. 
if nighttime, nighttime is bad, then when are you saying they should do it? Yeah, no matter exactly. what, there's no good time to do it. It's a bad situation, no matter what. Yeah, but if they would have told anyone that uh, that the real dad was going to come to the mall, everyone would have been there. All those nosy little mall rats would have been right there, wanting yeah. to see who okay. it is, and there wouldn't have been any chance for Bray and Trudy to try and convince... So- even with the amount of time that we've gone back and forth on this, no one was like, hey, doing this here in the mall at this time was a really bad idea. Hmm, maybe we should think about it and do it at a different time at a different place and do this. Like, we've gone back and forth over this, and this is us. Like, we know it ends badly because we've seen it, but nobody even thought at the time, like, if these were real people to say, hey, this seems like a bad idea. There's a lot of time, there's tons of times when they don't think this is a bad idea and it's a bad idea. Again, and then we remind ourselves they're a bunch of kids. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We should stop harping on it because it was just a bad idea. I there's just, no good information. It just drives me crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a bad idea. Zoot's dead. Get over it. Or actually, Zoot's not dead. <laughs> Martin's dead. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I feel your pain, Lance. I feel you. I can see Lance is yeah. still shaking. <laughs> Why? Uh, Bray. Okay. Is that like <laughs> if Lex hadn't treaded Trudy or hadn't treaded Bray to Trudy, Trudy would have never agreed to see you. So that was Lex's fault that the meeting was. Yes, all. I'm just gonna blame Bob. I'm gonna blame Bob. <laughs> it's Bob's fault. I he think Bob bumped. would be fine with taking the responsibility. Bob's cool. Bob's secured himself. He's confident in his choices. Well, okay. In the, in you know, in the risk of driving everyone further crazy, I will say there's one. There's a couple shots I really like. Um, <laughs> so when you just take away the stupidity of everything that's happening, I do really love the shot of. Uh, okay, so the kids have told Lex that Paul has felt something in the mall, right? And Lex is just like, oh, you know, he can't hear anything. He's a deaf or whatever. And she's trying to explain, no, he can feel things. He can feel vibrations. And he can tell something shouldn't be moving around here. It's moving around here. And, you know, Lex ignores them. And you see the kids. And they're standing outside Lex's place. And Bob is at the other end of the stairs barking. Because he's like, yo, you guys, come over here. Yeah. Look, look, there's people over here, right? And I love how the kids are standing there look very scared. Because, of course, they would be. Who the frick is over there? And I love how Lex comes into the, the, the shot right behind him. He's already yes. got in. Like, he's just like, okay, the dog is barking. Something's wrong. You know? And then, of course, then Ryan comes up behind him. I just, I love that it's shot. It's really cool. Yeah. Like, I will say, like, the whole situation is messed up and, like, all of that. But the cinematography is great. I still think Bob is the one that woke up Paul because yes, at the end of the of the last episode, you see Bob responding, and Paul responds after Bob gets out of their bed. That's the vibration you felt. I like Lex's weapon too. Like that is really that yeah. was very dangerous. Like oh my goodness, what, you can stave in a skull with that thing, and the chains sound very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And um, I love how long he and Ryan stare at the three of them all talking and they haven't noticed him and he's just Hmm. he's so satisfied it's like when jack finally got to put down the grill on an attacker and he's like yeah i've been waiting this moment all my life and you see like the look on his face is like yes i finally caught this guy i finally caught him i got it i was right he's i can't trust him and i got him out of here now it's so great that's that's kind of the point like it goes back to the whole like he's finally able to prove that Bray shouldn't have been trusted and now it's all coming together and he's 
been looking for this point to kind of make it his point of why you should have let me out of the cage. Well, you don't understand. I wasn't going to betray anybody. Traitor! I mean, let's, let's stick with that scene because, um, yeah, Lex is in like full glory, like reveling in the fact that he can finally denounce Bray. Um, that, that was quite a really shocking scene. Um, I originally thought, like, he lets loose physically at Bray, and you see everyone kind of flinching back from every blow that he gives him. And what were your thoughts about that when you originally watched it? Pretty intense. It's a nice explosion of violence, and you know that some of it is personal, you know, because when Lex finds out that Zoot is alone, which means he is just his own personal threat, that's, ex that's the moment you see that for Lex this becomes a personal thing, because one of the first things he says is, ah, so you know you don't have your tribe to back you up. He, this is about getting back at these guys who are better than him, bigger than him, stronger than him, you know, more charismatic than him. He has both of them exactly where he wants them. And it's kind of his downfall because he gets so caught up in making it personal that it, it means he kind of ignores some of the signs that this isn't what it, he thinks it is. He's clearly no longer afraid because while everyone else is running around and Ryan is saying, oh, the locals are here, the locals are here, you know, he's obviously scared. Lex is the one saying it's not a big deal. There's only one of them. He's not afraid. This is not about fear. This isn't about protecting the tribe. This is all personal. No, it's, so, like, I've always thought that it is personal for Lex because, you know, Zoot was the one who said, oh, we're not letting you into our tribe. Like, now, like, you aren't so tough without your tribe. You wouldn't let me in your tribe. So now, you know, here's why I'm better than you. You're on your out and you put me on the out. So now I'm going to, like, beat you. And it's, it's, he's, in a weird way, trying to still prove himself to Zoot of why he should have been a locust. And when it all comes crashing down, you realize that this night ended in this disaster it was always inevitably going to, based on the personal flaws of everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. Bray and his belief that, oh, my ideas are good, they'll work out, because I have good intentions. You know, um, Trudy's fear to try, you know, to leave them all, and instead of being honest about how she felt, the fact she really didn't want to meet Zoot, that she was willing to do it. Zoot's arrogance, instead of staying in the, the basement where he would have, nobody would have seen him, you know, Les's fury and personal anger at both Bray and Zoot, it all culminated in this mm. disaster. And it's Bob's fault. <laughs> it's all Bob. <laughs> Leave him be! You wanna fight? Fight me! Yeah, that leads us to the obviously the final moments of Zoot's life. Um, did it surprise you at all um, when he suddenly stepped up to defend his older brother? Um, or did you kind of expect that? I think that because um, as Bray jumps in to protect Zoot, Zoot makes a run for it first. But he figured that Bray isn't really the one they want and Brick Potter will just be fine. He's solving it all. And yeah, why should it be any different than it used to be? Bray always wins, but then he sees Bray getting hurt, and suddenly the need to protect his brother just kicks in. Yeah, it made sense to me that he would, in the end, he would want to protect his brother. So I think it kind of comes full circle. Like, we spend a lot of time talking about how Bray kind of spends the rest of his life, or life as we know it, defending Martin or defending Zoot. I think that's kind of like 
you know, we, at this point, it's pretty obvious it's going to end badly for Zoot. So he's trying to redeem what little le- is left for his brother. Um, of course, dumb Hillary didn't know that as a child, but looking back, it's kind of cool to see that of, you know, like he's, he's trying to help his brother out a little bit in his final moments. I think he actually thought he could take Lex. Yeah, I don't think he thought he was going to die. Yeah, I, I think he seriously thought he could win and just underestimated the fact that... See, Lex didn't counter his attack. It's, he did exactly what Pride told uh, Tysan to do, to lean into the attack. And that's what, that's what uh, Lex does. Instead of countering the attack, which is what Zoot was expecting, Lex leans out he of it. leans in. And it was just Zoot had that momentum and went flying over the balcony. Exactly. Like, so here's... And this is something that I've kind of thought a lot about just in fan theory and all of that. Like, when Zoot first dies, Lex is all like, oh, yeah, 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 I did it. I killed him. Blah, 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 blah. And then later when it becomes not beneficial for him to say, oh, I killed him, it suddenly it was an accident. But I think at the end of the day, when this kid is still just a very much a kid, it was a freak accident. I don't think he really meant to I don't think he thought it would end in death. I thought maybe maybe throw a few punches, like we'll we'll end up with this guy locked up in the cage. Like it will be okay. And so yeah, I I that's kind of where I think it was going. And he was just kind of making his peace. As as soon as Zoot stepped into that move, I think they both knew that something was gonna happen and it was gonna end in, in tragedy. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. Like, it was a freak accident, but I think they had a feeling. I don't, I just don't, I don't get that. I don't, I mean, it looks poetic now, because we know how it ends. So, Zoot's last words, his last actions, all have this very poetic tinge. Did he know? But no, I don't think that he knew. I don't think Lex knew. I don't think Bray knew. Everybody's in shock. Nobody expected it to go this way. It wasn't supposed to go this way. Zoot was not meant to die. He was not sacrificing his life. He was getting into a fight. You know, that's how he saw it. I'm going to get in a fight for my brother, who obviously sucks at this. And, you know, and, and even Lex was like, yeah, bring it on. Let's fight. Let's do this. And then this is where it went. I don't think Zoot was making his peace because I don't think he expected to die. And um, I don't think he expected to die, but I think he was going, he was expecting to maybe go into a position where he wouldn't be able to no. say his apologies to Bray. But why would no, he do I, that would mean death. How why wouldn't he be able to apologize to his brother? There's no reason he should believe he wouldn't be able to apologize to his brother if he wanted to apologize to him. The most it would happen, the worst that should happen is he might lose this fight. But that shouldn't stop him from being able to make peace with his brother later. I don't believe for a second any of these kids knew it was gonna end like this or even thought it was gonna end like this. I, I never I still think that Zoot actually thought he could win this. I mean, he had the reputation, and he, everyone feared him. They thought he was the biggest, baddest guy out there, and he was he rumored to be the best street fighter ever. Yeah, and he, he might have believed that he actually was that much better than everyone else. So, in his mind, sure, he could take Lex. I think he thought he was making a grand gesture for the fight he's about to win. Like, oh yeah, yeah I'm about to kick your ass throw off his cape, make a big yeah. thing out of it, and then run towards our balcony. Jeez. I think he was hoping to, to just push Lex over. 
that's possible. I don't think he he knew he was going to die, but it was it was all going to end badly because um like either either Lex would have beaten up Zoot, <laughs> and then the whole locals would have come and wiped out the Morats, or like yeah, it's just that was the thing. Like I don't think even like if the locals were to swarm them all, I don't think Zoot would have still been able to talk to Bray. Like it would have ended badly for Bray then. Like I, I don't think he wanted to talk to Bray though. I don't think he needed to. He, what I don't think he, he wanted to like say his piece, kind of thing. So, I don't think any of these kids are thinking that far ahead because most of them don't ever. We rarely ever see evidence that they think this that far ahead, or they're that philo- philosophical about any of this. They are in the moment, and right now, they're just about to have a fight. And even if having this fight could actually make things worse, clearly that's not on Zoot's mind. Zoot's not thinking maybe I shouldn't have this fight. He's in it to win it. He's in it to win it. They're all living in the moment, every single one of them. Bray, the reason he's not really explaining himself and is allowing himself to get beat up is because he doesn't know how to explain this without throwing his brother and Trudy under the bus, and he's trying to protect them both. So he sounds like an idiot when he just keeps saying, it's not what you think, and you don't understand. And it's like, okay, it's Batman versus Superman all over again. You know, I... You could totally avoid this. But again, he doesn't know what to say to protect these people. So he's not saying anything coherent, you know, and Lex is in no mood to listen anyway. He finally has his excuse to kick Bray's butt, you know, and, and, and again, nobody actually steps in because everybody's so confused. But what always, what I always did wonder is Bray never actually fought back to Lex. Well, yeah, it's he's keeping Lex's attention on him. Yeah. He knows his brother has run off to hide. This is a chance for Zoot to mm-hmm. get out of the mall. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's protecting. He doesn't take Zoot and Trudy, and he's expecting he's expecting Martin to make a break for it. He's yeah. willing to take the hit. He's willing to keep the attention on him. He is not expecting his brother to step out of the shadows and you know put himself on the line. Nobody is thinking two feet ahead. They're just in the moment. Emotions are high, and that's all anyone's focused on. Keep their minds off it. Hey, you look great. Sandra? Sorry. It would have been a great opportunity to get dolled up, though. But I'll stay here with Lex and Ryan. I'll take care of the baby. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, what were your thoughts about the sudden new tribe stars? Everyone kind of solemnly marks the occasion of Zoot's death. Where the hell did they get the bird? Yeah. <laughs> they killed them with their bare hand. I don't know. Um, they're, they're still stuffed, you know? Those riding around the mall. Those were style of those hats. I'd say they were Edwardian, so they most likely got them out of the antique shop. Yeah, they were in the antique shop, definitely. But, I mean, as much as I hate it, like, how random it is, I really do like it. Like, it's a cool contrast. Like, we finally have an excuse to get these people out of these disgusting clothes. Fun, which is <laughs> great. Like, but, like... But they are, they're all wearing the same clothes. They just added the makeup and the hair pieces. Yeah. Are they the all? Yes, okay. they all are. Yeah. Even Trudy, okay. she's just wearing, like, a shroud, but she's still wearing her... Trudy's still wearing her <laughs> Fine. Okay, I was gonna give them more credit than they are due. But, like, it's, it's neat to see, like, another... Style. Like... I always liked when they changed up the tribe style. Like, I thought it was a cool thing to see. So I like it, even though it was kind of silly. But I wonder who brought the silver face paint. Was it Sandra? Probably. I just, I always assume it's Sandra's. 
I did love Zondra's line. <laughs> she said, oh, an excuse to glam up. <laughs> <laughs> like, because, you know, we don't see the scene of her, but you know they went to borrow some of your stuff. Like, can we please borrow some makeup? And she's like, what do you need it for? Can I come? And they're like, well, it's a... And she's like, well, fine. the baby. Like, but I really want to go too because I want to wear a cool costume and have a burr on my head. Can <laughs> like, I just say that as always, Antonia Preble looks the freaking best in this right? Yep. Oh my goodness, you can do anything to that girl, and she looks amazing. <laughs> because she's in the mirror. Because the shot opens up, the scene opens. It's she's in the mirror you know, fixing her makeup, and it looks so flawless on her. And then when Bray walks in, you're like, yeah! No! (laughs) I was thinking that the other day, I was like, you know, watching it, I was like, you know, it's really cute kind of showing the unity that they're all together to do this thing, but, like, where Trudy looks so awesome, like, the boys (laughs) look ridiculous. And, like, even Amber with her hair down, it's all frizzy, like, Honey, like, please no. Your hair is a hot mess. Like, actually, I kind of think everyone looks decent except for Bray. He's the only one where they just didn't, they didn't contour the make- makeup around his facial structure. I think they contoured it too much. <laughs> right on him because Dal and Jack actually work. Maybe it's because they still look younger and they've got those innocent faces, and so the makeup, their eyes look big. It works. And Amber again usually looks good in almost everything. And I really love her hair out like that. I mean, she went all out. I was like, dag. Well, Amber. And uh, Bray's the only one I feel looks a little not right. Maybe he needed a cape. I don't know. A cape? No. <laughs> a cape. I, I just, I kind of want to pull it up. Like, you know, I, I see it in my head so much that, like, I want photo reference now because I can't think of exactly how bad this is. My head is still at the point where Trudy snaps at everyone telling them to shut up and explains that actually Zoot's the baby's father. I, I like that point where Trudy shuts everybody up too. Because, it one, it's a cathartic moment we've all been waiting for to find out what the frick is going on. Why did this all just happen? You know, this explosive series of events, and now we have a dead kid, and you're still stuck going, why? Why did he come here? You know, what is this all about? And all the other kids, they don't know. They've just been hearing, you know, just explosion of emotions and finally Trudy's just like he wasn't here to hurt anyone he just came to see me and his baby and it's just like it reminds you everybody really did believe Bray was the father and this confusion and then it, it really the turned relief. I'm just thinking the relief on Amber's face the moment yeah. she hears Bray is not the father but it also changes the context of what they thought was happening they thought they were fighting off an attacker you know Great, we just, we will, and think about if anyone who really did want Trudy to just disappear, yeah, those chances of that happening are gone, you know, um, you, you kind of shot yourself yeah. with foot, Lex, you know, because she might have disappeared with the father of her child if you had just listened, but instead, you know, yeah. now you're stuck with her, she ain't going anywhere but then, now. But I mean, also look at how fast they back off, now that they have the full story, like, it's like, oh... Things weren't as they appear. Um, let's latch, latch on to that for a moment, because um, do you think that uh, Zoot was going to be persuaded to leave the Locos? Um, or do you think that was never going to happen? That was a fairy tale. Oh, man, that question. Defer to Sabine. What do you think might have happened? 
It's the moment you see him holding Brady for the very first time and the way he looks at her. It just told me, okay, he's gonna do whatever it takes to make sure this little baby's okay. Whether that means dragging Trudy back to the locos or finding another way, but he will be there. Well, I think that's also like the first time we see Martin too and not so much a zoo, yeah. which I thought was also really cool. Like looking back from cinematography and script and all of that, like. That's definitely, in that moment, isn't Zoot. It's Martin. Um, so maybe he would have left, you know, if you appeal to the Martin side. And I think that's what, that's what, that's actually what Bray was doing. He didn't uh, convince him to come near Trudy while she was still pregnant, because he knew that wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. He just, he waited until that baby was born, until he dragged him. Until he contacted him with a, look, you need to come. I think he hoped that seeing that baby would have that effect, that it would bring Martin back out. I definitely agree with that. I've always believed that that is why Bray never told his brother through all the times that he clearly was visiting him and got a chance to see him, why he didn't tell him that Trudy was pregnant. You know, because of course he's surprised when the baby's there. He wanted to present him with the actual child, knowing, you know, believing that this was the only way he was going to be able to bring his brother back. So I definitely agree with that. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about Zoot or Martin's expression when he looks at Brady for the first time. It is a heart-rending moment as he's holding his daughter and you can see his expression melt. His mask fractures, you know. And yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. I do think that is the moment we actually see Martin. But I don't know if that look, and I don't believe, and I'm not willing to stake my life on it, that that expression means that he would have suddenly been there for his daughter. Don't forget, Trudy looked at her daughter the exact same way when she held her. And she did not intend, she did not uh, expect to have completely different feelings about that child, you know, resurrect within a few days. Mm -hmm. She didn't expect herself to emotionally reject this child. Because the moment she saw her in that first second, she was overcome with mm -hmm. affection and emotion for this child. That look so, might also be the whole like i'm a kid taking care of a kid look though so mm -hmm. i would agree with that with liz on that point i mean it, I, it's it might not be affection but like a processing of like what's going down i think the uh i think that moment is way more about what we'll never know than what the answer would have been mm -hmm. you know um mm -hmm. we'll never know what might have been different if this young man hadn't lost his life you know, and I think that's what we're meant to be stuck with much yeah. more than what would have happened. It's that we won't ever know. That's still like my going back to, you know, laying Martin to rest versus laying Zoot to rest. I think it's a different yeah. sort of dynamic. Like we still have this mytho. Like I, I hate harping back to that, but there's still very much Zoot is still very much a character where Martin is very much not a character. Agreed. For better or for worse, yep. Yeah, like, you know, whether you like the character... I don't like the character, but... I love it. <laughs> I, I know you do, but there's still he's still very much a part of the show. I actually wonder if uh, Zoot or Martin would have been a good parent. I almost... I kind of wonder. Like, we already know what, will ha what happens with him out of the picture. We already know what happens to Brady, how her mother is affected, how her own life is affected, how Bray, all on that. We know that. But I, kind of, I really wish I could have seen the hot mess it would have been if he had survived. Oh, yeah. Because you've got, you know, you got two parents who 
well, one of them does not return the feelings of the other, you know, mm -hmm. and now they're stuck together because, you know, Trudy's making this decision, but it's not based on affection. She doesn't really want to be with Martin or Zoot. What, you know, what would have happened if you lived? Now you have to decide how you're going to take care of this child. Where are you going to live? Are you going to be together? What a mess that was going to be. Yeah. That was going to be a disaster. These are children <sighs> making these decisions and adults can't make them well, you know? <laughs> and let's not forget about one factor in that. What would have happened if Zoot had chosen to at least have Trudy back in his life with the baby? What would Ebony have done? Burned the room down. I don't know. The world. He clearly didn't have any problem with ditching Ebony. <laughs> oh, no. She never, she never crossed his mind. He had no problem with being like, Trudy, come home. And he's like, hey, don't you have a girlfriend? <laughs> no, because... What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, he only... Um, Ebony's the prize he stole from his brother. But she's nothing more than that. She's just there because he has her because he was able to take her away from Brady. So yeah, my point was just that, wow. I, maybe, you know, both Trudy and Brady got off easy that he died. <laughs> I love how we like, debate all this back and forth, but then also at the end of the day I wrestle because like one of my favorite authors has a quote that like at the end of the day the characters are like what the author says and we can go back and forth between this but i don't think ray thompson probably even has an answer half the time i know ray actually enjoys other people theorizing about his character oh, yeah i think but he does he, too he's far more willing to accept someone else's interpretation of the character than his own but i think part of it is like they've become like they've developed a life of their own and it's you know he might have not had a reason for it but now it's developed its own life and he's pretty cool with it like well there are a lot of authors who are like that There's, that's the two different types of authors you're going to get you're going to have the ones who they know for a fact everything there is to know about their characters and if you ask them after the book is done what happened to so-and-so what did, did you know what was the deal with this relationship they've got answers for you they'll tell you straight up and if you try to change it or write a fan fiction where that didn't happen they're the first to say uh please don't do that with my characters because i know exactly where my characters went and i know that drago malfoy was never a werewolf no matter what you try to say about it like they know their characters and then you have authors who they don't they're fine with you know your interpretation and if you wrote them and asked them what about this character what happened after the story they'd be like I Happen. I don't know. <laughs> so let's have a look at our favorite quotes of the episode. Um, yeah, obviously there's quite a few good ones in here, um, but I think I'm going to go for, it has to be Zoot's line when he's speaking to his brother. Those who live by the sword should die by the sword. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? It's an old saying. Trust you to know that. Man, you're so old. I'm surprised the virus didn't get you. That's such a, a brilliant line, and it's just such a thing a, a brother would say. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's brilliant. I think for me, my favorite one is between Bray and Zoot. Listen, Zoot. The Locos and the Demon Dogs and all the other tribes bad news. Don't you think there's been enough destruction? We've got to start putting things back together again. Why? For her. That's why. I think that that's my favorite of this episode. Like Bray telling Zoot that this little baby is what they have to do everything for. She's the future. And I mean, I still like Patsy not being able to say vibrations. Come on. Paul, 
He's a diffo. Can't hear a thing. He senses things. He feels vibrations. Nah, he's dreaming. Go back to bed. Like, it's just such a, you know, you, it breaks the fourth wall almost, where, you know, these still are very much kids who act, who aren't really in their prime as actors, and it just see, it makes me laugh. I have, like, three of them. Um, I really like how Celine and Zandra are comforting Paul, who, after all of this mess, is obviously feeling like it's his fault, because it kind of is. And <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm teasing. I love Paul. I love I'm Paul. I'm just joking. But he clearly feels to blame, because if he hadn't gotten up and gone after Lex, not, then, you know, he's smart enough to realize... If I hadn't alerted anybody, that meeting probably would have gone yeah. down much different and things would be different. And so he's feeling bad because he has a freaking heart and he's a real person. And, so, and I love how Sandra and Celine are trying to make him feel better about it. You know, Celine tells him. No, it wasn't. You did good, Paul. You weren't to know what was going to happen. You were very brave. It's just very sweet, you know, and a reminder that this is happening to more than just the main characters. Yeah. You know, it's affecting everybody in the mall. And I really like um, after, okay, Zoot's dead and everyone's like kind of turned on Lex in a way. They're having iffy feelings about how they feel about this death and was it justified and should he have done it? And Lex is still like, I did it. It was me. And Ryan wants to take credit for it. And they go to check this again to see if the locos are out there because Lex needs to stay in that headspace that what he did was justified and there's no locos. And they come back inside, and Jack says, Looks like Bro is telling the truth. For once. I don't trust him, Jack. We have to get rid of him. And you can see his brain is determined to hang on to what he needs to believe about Bray, no matter what. And he's going to hold on to this. As he says, I don't trust him. We have to get rid of him. It doesn't matter that it's justified anymore. He needs to get rid of Bray. And he's determined, no matter what, it doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter that Bray's actions were justified. And that he was trustworthy, Lex is determined to get him out of that mall. <laughs> yeah. There, there's only one other quote that's wordy enough to be my favorite in this one. And that's, get real, man. Power and chaos, it's the only way. I never understood that power and chaos stuff. And that is why you are not a or chosen. <laughs> Should be praised. Actually, I would have totally joined the chosen. Are you kidding? <laughs> What can I say? Zoot be praised. It has nothing to do with Zoot. It's just pragmatic. I'm not going to get thrown off a building. Look, if you want to worship a dead kid, I'll get down on my knees with you. That's fine. You're promising me food and shelter and safety? Absolutely. I'm on board. This is fine. You're so much to me in this. I, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <Go on Yeah. laughs> the only difference is I wouldn't actively betray anyone like May did. Um, but uh, yeah, if I don't have to hurt anybody to do this, absolutely would have joined the Chosen. I can always get away from them later. Come on. I'm not going to fight this group of people with their torches. I'll just wait until they let down their guard and then sneak off when I need to get away from them. Uh, Hill, what's your favorite line of the episode? Oh, that's me. That's my name. Huh? Um, uh, no problem. Just dump it in the streets with the rest of the garbage when they're talking about what to do with Zoot's body. We were trying to decide what to do about the body. No problem. Just dump it in the streets with the rest of the garbage. No. We're not going to dump it anywhere. <laughs> I would love to dump Lex's body in the streets with the <laughs> No. <laughs> You're going to make the inside voice come out again, Sabine. Shut up. <laughs> 
so that brings episode eight to an end. Um, In the nick thank of you time. Panel. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we'll see everyone again in episode nine. Uh, so until next time, bye. Bye. I'll see ya.